Hello, everyone, and welcome back to SCADcast. Thank you for joining us. I'm Matt Nickley. In a recent Forbes interview, today's special guest noted the following, quote, This moment in history, if we are listening and looking deeply with our whole selves, has the power to permanently shift our perceptions, because standing still is no longer an option, end quote. These are the poignant words of fashion designer and entrepreneur Bibu Mohapatra. His private label has been worn by luminaries including Viola Davis, Gwyneth Paltrow, Lupita Nyong'o, and Michelle Obama, and his heralded style is noted for blending traditional crafts and fabric with vibrant colors and modern tailoring. For his upcoming Spring 2021 collection, Mohapatra looked to his roots for inspiration and found strength in the revolutionary artist Amrita Shergill. He sought to endow courage and perseverance into every thread as we collectively turn towards a brighter 2021. To accompany the collection, Mohapatra also produced a fashion film celebrating the life of Amrita with the clothes she inspired. Today's conversation comes from Mohapatra's visit to Scad Lacoste in 2018 during his unforgettable week of workshops and mentorship for our students. Nestled in the hills of Provence, Lacoste is a mesmerizing location and a place all of us in the SCAD community look forward to returning to and discovering anew. Mohapatra sat with Paula Wallace to reflect on the growth of his brand, cultural fusion, and the SCAD experience. From SCADcast, this is On Creativity. A conversation between Paula Wallace and Bibu Mohapatra. Bibu, thank you so much for being here at SCAD Lacoste, and you've been teaching our students all week. Thank you for being a guest educator. Well, thank you, President Wallace, for, for Paula. giving me. <laughs> thank you, thank you, Paula, for giving me this uh, opportunity to come here and spend some time in this beautiful um, world that you have uh, sort of added onto. So there's something already beautiful was existing, but you really built a platform for for all of us, students, staff, faculty, guests all of us to come here and experience this, uh, it's amazing. And I'd heard about Sky Lacoste and I'd seen pictures and I'd heard from people who have been here, but finally I'm here and uh, you're here. <laughs> I, I, I have been having the time of my life. Oh, thank you. Well, Bibu, you come from such an environmentally rich homeland with vibrant colors and so many, you know, uh, tastes and scents and uh, just, history. Um, how does all of that of your background influence your work? I, I think, um, first of all, I'm very fortunate to have that uh, heritage that yes. I was born into. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, uh, I have to be very honest, because I was born into it and all the craft of those colors of the uh, sensibilities were around me, I was not, uh, uh, I was aware of them, but I really didn't get that mm -hmm. perspective. Uh, till I left India and I started living uh, in the West. And all those ideas and uh, memories of seeing my mother wearing the most beautiful 
uh, sari that she that was her favorite sari, sari and uh, that somehow got stolen or something. She was very upset. Mm -hmm. So all those things became very vivid. Things that I grew up with, um, I didn't pay much attention there uh, while I was living there. So I would say being trained in the uh, West and uh, sort of getting to learn uh, the culture and the lifestyles and getting to know the people uh, in the West sort of uh, allowed me to look at my own heritage and uh, I think it seeps through my work. Uh, a lot of the times it's very restrained. Um, I believe uh, uh, the sensibility about, uh, of using colors. I feel I'm a little bit more uh, audacious about putting colors together. Uh, there's no formulas and if it, you know, you just have to feel it and uh, green and pink together, who can think about, uh, you know, but if you do it the right way, it, it works. So I, I would like to say, I'm. Um, I'm very fortunate to have my uh, ha my heritage, and I uh, I'm very closely tied to it. Mm -hmm. And your collections are so elegant, and of course you draw from other influences. You talk to the students about you know a, a trip to Beijing being an influence in one of your collections, and so elegant. I mean that's what you're really known for is just you know timeless elegance. I think. I mean that's what Thank I don't know. What would you? How would you encapsulate your brand, and what would you say about your brand? I would like to say thank you for saying that, but I, I think uh, I'm a storyteller and I, I you know, mm -hmm. I can give my work uh, a unique identity through my experiences and uh, I, I'm inspired by uh, things that we are all inspired by, travels or uh, seeing beautiful objects or experiencing food or different cultures. But uh, most importantly, stories of people's lives. You know, they may not be the fashionable or the or a movie star or an icon, or but their stories, their personal journeys, something uh, sort of grabs me, and I hold on to that until the time comes to uh, sort of uh, expand on it. Uh, one of my um, uh, uh, stories about one of the collections, one of my favorite collections I can think of, was inspired by Nancy Cunard. And uh, everyone knew of uh, Nancy Cunard and how she was sort of a bold uh, personality and she was a trailblazer in a, at a time where women had no rights. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have all seen all those amazing portraits by Man Ray and with the bangles and everything. But I was crossing the Atlantic once uh, um, uh, going on Cunard lines. Oh. And uh, uh, on the second day, the captain announced that there's going to be some big storm, so, um, but nothing to worry about. And uh, about the same time, we we're going to cross the spot where Titanic sank. Oh so, <laughs> so I decided to go to the library, which was in the, uh, uh, I guess, one of the bottom decks. And mm -hmm. I was looking through and uh, found a, a nice biography of, uh, on Nancy Cunard. And I read all through it and how she was living in Harlem in the 30s. And... Uh, uh, fighting for rights for uh, jazz artists and uh, pe uh, people of color. And um, I was just moved by her and the, her imagery became secondary. Her life became so such a driving force for my collection. And I had the best time working on that collection because I loved her story so much. Mm -hmm. So, so uh, I, that's, I guess that's my process I enjoy that part of my creative journey, which was the sort of the concept creation class. I was trying to tell the students that don't be confined by any ideas, just, you know, find something that speaks to you and that you can be so proud of years later mm -hmm. for creating that mood board. 
Well, you'll never forget that collection uh, on that particular journey. Yeah, yeah no, it's 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 uh, it's meaningful to me, and um, because we all are here to say something with our craft, and uh, if 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 it touches someone somewhere, even if for a split second, it's worth it. Love it. So I'm so thrilled to know that you're into jewelry. Um, so tell me about the inception of your Artemis diamond collection. Thank you so much. It's uh, again goes back to my heritage. Uh, uh, my mother had some jewelry of that. Uh, um, I come from a modest family, but gold was always a part of uh, you know uh, a heirloom sort of uh, people sort of inherit, especially yes. women. So she always had this red bundle of fabric, and uh, inside her and that's where closet, she kept her jewelry. This was she had her jewelry that she wore. She kept it separately, mm -hmm. but there is one bundle. Something was there. As a kid, I would see it, mm -hmm. just a bundle. Then finally, I asked her mom, "What's what's in that?" So she opened it all up. She's like, "Okay, you've been asking for it. Here it is." And I saw like a bunch of. Uh, uh, jewelry, some are broken, mangled up, uh, mm. a lot of gold, a lot of silver, uh, but uh, old, you know, anklets and armlets uh, and uh, beautiful things that are so sort of, it has a refinement, but uh, they're sort of raw at the same time. And so I asked, like, who are, what are these? When did you get this? It's like, I didn't get them. I mean, I didn't buy them. These have been passed on all the women in our family. Uh, my grandmother gave it to her and then she probably uh, got it from her mother or her uh, mother-in-law. So I touched them and it made me feel like, okay, I just connected with all those stories that were told. And uh, I have some few pictures of my grandmother wearing one of the pieces uh, when she got married. So um, that was something, did something for me. But then I told myself I had a big dream of having fine jewelry line mm -hmm. someday. So it started with uh, having coffee with uh, uh, some people from De Beers. And we sort of said like, okay, what do we want to do if we want to do something? And I said, I want to do something, but I just don't want to create one fantastic piece that press writes about, but not really, not really uh, have a meaning. I want to do a collection that can, people can actually access. So that's, they agreed to it and we had a uh, deal in place and we started, uh, we launched it a year and a half ago. Uh, it's a it's the first round was all uh, white, yellow, and rose gold with uh, diamonds. They're um, inspired by uh, again going back to my Vedic uh, rituals from India, mm -hmm. where basically the alignment of sun, moon, and the stars mm -hmm. determine how we become, how our lives are shaped, how two people can interact, mm -hmm. and uh, so that's where the founding. So if you look at the details of it, there are a lot lot of uh, sort of uh, inspiration from the constellation mm -hmm. and um, and I'm very happy how it came about it's been a learning process too I didn't study technical aspects of jewelry design but um, I it's about a feeling and mm -hmm. uh, and I did the initial sketches and but I had a lot of support from the De Beers team to put it together for me well they're the best yeah no, <laughs> and you're the best and that you had that red bundle <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's it's still there mom uh, uh, unfortunately passed away uh, but bundle is there now my sister-in-law has it mm -hmm. so every time i am back home i look at it mm -hmm. i i and uh, they still tell the same stories and uh, i hope uh, those are the kind of things whether it's clothes or um, or any if it my craft was uh, making uh, uh, glass vases I would like to have 
that DNA in it so that it becomes, people can perceive as a, an heirloom piece that it has a life that is longer than just, just one mm -hmm. lifetime. You encourage the students to research their target audience. You stress that that was the most important thing for them to think about. Absolutely. How should they go about doing that? And who would you say is your target audience? I think uh, that question, if you had asked me, uh, let's say 15 years ago when I was finishing school, it would have been a difficult one to answer. Um, but something that you sort of have to shape and really through your research. Now the students have a lot of access to a lot of information. Um, I knew what my ideal woman is, someone who's very strong and confident, someone who's, who's passionate about other things than fashion. You know, she's, she could be a fashionista. Um, <laughs> I don't like that word, but, uh, but uh, she could be passionate about farming or raising her kids. Or philanthropy. Uh, philanthropy and, uh, and uh, doing something meaningful with her time and her resources. Um, driven people, driven women, and uh, women who are inspiration to others. So uh, who are of course global and exposed and uh, well-traveled. So that's who I cater to and who also appreciate beautifully crafted mm -hmm. clothes. And so I think uh, all, all of us, all of these students that uh, are there, no matter what they're designing, I think they have to sort of shape up who they're sort of uh, designing for because the reality is there's a lot of, um, lot of amazing work coming out a lot of people doing the similar craft so how do we go above that noise level to become relevant how do we sort of stand out um doesn't mean that everything that we design becomes uh, that uh, unique piece but we should try and uh, and we can do that if we know where we're trying to focus it on and which which uh, which category of people where what's our target audience is at SCAD, the luxury marketing students are studying alongside the fashion students. How do those two disciplines inform and complement each other? I, I think uh, I think they, they complement, they go hand in hand. But the definition of luxury is, is redefining as we move through time. And uh, what was luxury 10 years ago uh, or, or uh, a couple of decades ago is very different. These days, time is a very, 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 very luxurious element. So... Um, or, 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 or uniqueness of a product, a craft incorporated into a design of a, I'm looking at your earrings and I want to know all about that, how this person uh, thought about creating this beautiful, delicate uh, piece. It, it's so beautiful, it has movement and, it, uh, and it, it looks like it came from nature, but at the same time, it, it looks modern and uh, uh, super futuristic in a way. So um, I think to me, luxury is really um, tying up with a craft to be able to tell a story of a of an artisan, no matter what it is, because all around us, a uh, lot of the amazing craft, they're dying, and uh, we need to sort of recognize them while we can, to sort of um, celebrate them and keep them alive. And a lot of the times, people don't know that some parts of the world, this particular weave comes from. Mm -hmm. It's our responsibility as as creative individual to make that transition, convey that message to the target audience that they know, they also want to know about that craft. And that's how you keep it alive. It's no uh, longer the only responsibility of these artisans to keep their families' traditions alive. It's all our responsibility.
That's so well put. Thank you for saying that. It's so important. Thank you. Around the world. Absolutely. You studied economics, and then you transitioned into being a designer. Um, but does that help you with the business aspects of fashion? You would, I would like to say so, but, <laughs> but um, yeah, I can, I can read a spreadsheet very, I can do my cash flow uh, chart without even looking at anything. I, I can figure out what's coming in and what's going to go out um, and how to cost a piece of product that we're making. Um, yes, it, 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 it's, I have certain extra clarity about it, but I'm a creative person. Mm -hmm. This is my passion to design and uh, build products and connect with my, uh, my client base and trying to tell them that story. But the reality is uh, when you try to build a business out of your craft, you have to have that balance between creativity and commerce. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes you have those documents or sometimes you have to get the right people around you who can help you with the business. Mm -hmm. So it was fine up to a few years back, but now I've, uh, I'm ready for having right uh, a team to sort of shape up the business because we have opportunities coming in every day, but not every opportunity is the right uh, it has its own right time to start on, yes. you know, so, um, but it has helped me. It has given me a confidence of when I started my business of my little degree in economics. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, where have you come? Well, I heard that, is it true that your economics professor saw you sketching and like really advised you, Bibu, you need to be in fashion. Yes, yes. <laughs> She's, uh, her, her name is uh, Jeanette uh, Arbuthnot. Jeanette is this tiny, uh, uh, petite, uh, beautiful um, lady. She packed a punch. She <laughs> wear the highest heels and uh, and climb. And my school was on a on a hill, kind of like what we have here. Yes. But she would never. She would always wear her high heels. And uh, she was very. Uh, she had a very good sense of style that I could figure out. Mm -hmm. And then we. I worked on her research projects, all sort of numbers and everything. And one day she sees in the lab my sketchbook, and she's like, "People, you need to." You have such interest, and you need to you need to go to New York. And I looked at her, and I sort of laughed. That uh, yeah, I mean, it's a big dream. Even from coming going from Utah, where I was doing my master's degree, to come to New York. Mm -hmm. uh, but the next day, she gave me a couple of brochures, and uh, and I um, did my research, and uh, again figured out how much money I need to put myself <laughs> through school. How am I going to make my ends meet, and uh, how much runway I have post school to get a job, and um, but it all worked out. But I am grateful to her, especially to encourage me. Mm -hmm. But there are many other people also in the journey from the moment I started from India, including my parents who were there. They didn't know what fashion design was. They really, when they were seeing me off in Calcutta, I'd never been in an airplane, never left the country. Wow. My parents came to Calcutta, <clears throat> which is a eight-hour journey from my town. Um, we, we spent a few days uh, in that city, one of my favorite cities, mm -hmm. and, um, and my uh, uh, parents were like giving me their blessings and gave me uh, my, you know, some of the wisest words uh, that I live by today and how, what are the things that work for them um, in their lives and how to sort of uh, be grateful for people that come into your life, even if they 
do a big thing for you or say two words of kindness that has propelled you. Um, I try to remember that and uh, uh, live by that. And um, I have a lot of people to thank for where I am. I love that. That's beautiful. So fashion is really global today. Yes. Uh, would you say there's an Eastern sensibility and a Western sensibility? And if so, like, how would you describe that? Absolutely. There are sensibilities that are shaped by different cultures, the cultures that we are, uh, we're raised uh, with. However, um, more and more people are uh, sort of uh, um, traveling different places and they're gaining these experiences. So they're more exposed to different cultures. Even like 20 years ago, when uh, you know, when I came to America for the first time, I uh, got an airplane and came to America. It was brand new for me. But um, these days, uh, uh, everyone is more more informed about different cultural differences, and uh, and they're curious about uh, a different craft. So I think uh, when I'm designing for a global audience, um, my clothes. Uh, or, or the product that I design, they're not specific to either East or West, mm -hmm. but it's 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 a it's a, a merger. It's it's a sort of a combination of it. The uh, the shapes are probably very Western and modern, mm -hmm. but it has a lot of craft that comes from the Eastern world, where uh, the craft that has been perfected over thousands of years. So. Um, I think that's the exciting challenge of taking something so traditional and uh, merging it with, uh, marrying it with uh, my training, which is in the West and which is my understanding of the Western culture and Western uh, client base. But uh, every passing day, that world is becoming smaller and smaller. The, the audience is sort of uh, much more exposed to what's out there and the information is traveling uh, um, at a lightning speed. So. We could talk about this or we could uh, design something, uh, this part of the world, and it's already uh, available or the uh, information is available in different parts. So a lot more people are um, informed about what's happening globally. Mm -hmm. Your brother, Bijoy, is part of the SCAD family. What are your impressions of SCAD? Well, it's... Because we've been friends for many years. Many years. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I I had heard about you before, uh, years before we actually met. Mm -hmm. But uh, that's through my brother. And he he was the fine artist. He was... He's, he is the finer artist of... Um, between two of us, I'll never admit to his face, but <laughs> yes. And, uh, and he's the one who sort of inspired me. He's four years older than I am, so I have that edge that I'm younger. Um, but he came to America and uh, applied at, uh, well, he applied at SCAD, then came, and then once he got there, he was so inspired and he, was, he realized that how fortunate he is to have that system that was, was available to him. And it was a lot of hard work um, because he had to earn uh, his living. And, but he was most excited about his professors, uh, his curriculum, all the things that he were learning, and technological uh, advances uh, that uh, this uh, SCAD could offer. Because he was in a very good art school in Bombay, mm -hmm. uh, a 100-year-old art school, mm -hmm. um, or more than that. Uh, but it didn't offer what SCAD offered to him. So he would write to me, send me pictures of some of your iconic building, uh, that red building yes. with the, the, the uh, uh, one with the arches, yes, um, all those uh, even campus pictures. So he sort of started uh, inspiring me and creating this idea of what my life could be if I 
decided to come to America to to study, and um, and I you know I I wanted to uh, come to America to study art, but then he said like look. It could be expensive, especially in fashion design, because you need to buy all these materials and everything. So you need to be realistic. You're finishing up your bachelor's degree and uh, you should just apply for a master's. And if you get a scholarship, then you can sort of come in and um, and do it. And so those memories, those stories that I heard from him about SCAD and his experience sort of pushed me and uh, encouraged me and gave me that confidence that I could also be in an environment like that. Here you are today. <laughs> yes, and then years later, and I, I came to um, Savannah for uh, as a critique, and I, I met you. I remember you. Uh, there was a dinner, and you showed up wearing uh, one of my dresses, and I, I, I it was like a triple bonus for me, and it was such a nice gesture, something like that. I will never forget. This is your. Yes, I mean today, even like uh, you know, it's uh, you know, I could uh, tell about this uh, this print where it came from, and but uh, those kind of gestures really uh, make a difference in uh, in people's lives, and uh, I appreciate that. Well, we've been friends for a long time, yes. and I appreciate your friendship so much. Thank you. No, likewise, and and I'm appreciative of the platform again you have given all of us and all these kids. I told them three times yesterday, like. Just, just realize what an opportunity you have. So make the most of it. Try not to sleep too much. Just go around and explore and uh, get stung by a bee or something like that and have an experience. That's a story. Yeah, why not? I hope you enjoyed hearing from Bibu Mohapatra. You can watch SCAD's latest fashion film, Fashion in Frame, on the SCAD YouTube channel or at fashioninframe.scad.edu. The digital showcase features collections by recent fashion alumni worn by of-the-moment influencers, all expertly photographed by SCAD photography alumna Alexandra Arnold. Take a look and see what sets SCAD work apart. From all of us at SCADcast, I wish you a very happy holiday weekend. And I thank you for tuning in to SCADcast and on Creativity, executive produced by SCAD president and founder Paula Wallace, with original music by SCAD alumnus George Lovett. On behalf of the entire SCAD community, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay active. We'll see you next time.